imposters and welcome back to another episode of the you're not qualified podcast thank you so much for being here i'm ecstatic that you're here thank you for coming back if this is not the first episode that you've listened to my name is courtney heater i apologize for any acoustic weirdness for the intro and outro of this episode in particular i am currently on the road visiting family for the thanksgiving holiday and Currently, I'm in a closet in an Airbnb in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you may have heard of it. It's a wonderful state, home of billboards of cheese at every mile marker. What was that? I don't know. It's too busy talking a big nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturers of dairy products. This was the most secluded spot I could find in the Airbnb. My partner is also along with me and he's watching football Sunday, so I had to find a secluded spot here in the apartment. And this was the the best one. Since we're in the Midwest and especially Wisconsin, I felt like this would be the perfect city, Milwaukee, for recording the intro and the outro for this amazing woman that I chatted with. Uh, She lives in Madison, Wisconsin, which is not too far from Milwaukee. Her name is Autumn Maria Reed. She is a composer and a musician of many different talents. She's just amazing, wonderful, kind, funny, sensitive. I had truly the best time talking to her. She is a delight of a human. I'm just ecstatic for you to meet her. She grew up as an ethnic and religious minority in the Midwest, and that caused her to have trouble accessing the same type of musical education that her peers had and even the same access in general to music that her peers had. She'll talk more about that and give you a window into her life growing up and now how she gives back to her community through music because, spoiler alert, she did it. She made it through. She went to Berkeley School of Music even and she's incredibly talented and driven and is here to share her story. This is a trigger warning for this episode. Autumn and I do talk about suicide. So if you are in a mental state where that won't serve you or you really don't wanna listen to that, here is the warning and please go ahead and exit now. I'm just gonna take a quick pause here and allow you a moment to go grab your line and Kugel beer or as the locals call it, your lineys. Or your PBR if you want something lighter because Wisconsin is the birthplace of both of those and I really like beer. And if you're feeling one after saying this, you're like, oh, I need to pop a cold one. Please go get one. Oh, yeah. And don't forget the fried cheese curds. So here is your pause. Go get the beer. Go get it if you want it. Pop into your local pub, ask for the fried cheese curds. If they don't have it, slam the door, go to the next pub, ask for fried cheese curds. Okay, you got them? Popping it open? Got your lineys? Got your cheese curds? Okay, let's go. What would they do to me? Oh, you'll probably get away with crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yeah, first offense. Thank you so much for being here, Autumn, on the You're Not Qualified podcast. So with me today, I have Autumn. She is a Berkeley alum, composer, 
Wisconsin native, incredible storyteller. So she grew up in a culture where music instruction was not in reach, but she was very intense on sharing her gifts with the world. So she persevered and we can learn so much from her journey and drive and now how she gives back to her community in really amazing ways when they need music the most. So thank you. And I would love to start with learning a little bit about you. So you grew up in Wisconsin and you did mention that music instruction was basically just not available to you. And what, tell me more about that. I wouldn't say exactly music instruction wasn't available to me per se. It's so I grew up in a suburb of Madison called Cottage Grove, Wisconsin. Without obviously you can tell i was an ethnic minority and a religious minority as well some of my classmates were doing pursuing like sports and other hobbies really included in a lot of activities there just wasn't any so much available to me but i I did have piano lessons obviously growing up and i did take orchestra in school so i wouldn't say that there were zero just they were just limited due to a lot of exclusion so were you drawn to any particular music expression like music expression like did you want to play instruments did you want to sing did you want yeah. to play piano I, I thought about singing when i was younger because i liked listening to songs from like disney and whatever was on the radio but yeah i was always a very painfully shy kid i was like selectively mute until i was about six when i had to go to kindergarten I didn't really like talking to people outside of my family. I was just always afraid. But here I am talking to you, a stranger who lives on the other side of the country. <laughs> yeah, and you reached out to me. That's great. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've always had to get in the habit of reaching out to people because unfortunately, a lot of people don't come to me. So I, I try very hard to be welcoming and open and less like critical or judgmental, but it's just i don't like people i never liked feeling excluded so i don't want to make other people feel excluded yeah that's a horrible painful experiences that i've had over the years and i vowed to never let anybody feel like that ever that's a horrible feeling yeah yeah i liked my dad he wanted to take piano lessons for himself but he just never followed through because he's a he was a a very busy businessman so he bought the books he had had hired like a teacher and then he just abandoned because he got busy with the job so he passed Mm -hmm. i was like if i can if he can learn piano from reading books maybe i can learn piano reading his books so (laughs) i was looking at the alfred adult all-in-one course beginner even it was for adults i could still read i was about seven so i teaching myself but i I just couldn't get the hang of playing with you know both hands but i was able to read the notes but it fizzled out but when i was about probably eight or nine i think i got formally got lessons and that's when i also i think the next year I think I was about nine. I started this up with the strings program in elementary school, playing the violin. And then the next mm-hmm. year I started playing upright bass. Cause oh, I saw wow. some guy playing on television with Ella Fitzgerald. I was like, man, that's a cool instrument. Can I switch dad? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good. That's really good parents because especially a base, like you probably weren't big enough to lug that around for a while. No, yeah. No. Yeah. So, sometimes he had to lug it around, but yeah. the school had its own base. So oh, I didn't good. have to bring the instrument there. So yeah. Do you still play both of those, the violin and the bass? I'm okay with the violin. Just okay. The violin's hard. I tried to learn, but I also, <laughs> I don't have any musical background besides the recorder. So. Oh yeah, I like the recorder. I actually did a buying off of Amazon when I was an adult as alto to tenor. Just to try it out. They're still in my parents' basement somewhere. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I truly commend anybody who has tried to pick up an instrument when they are in their late 20s, early 30s, or really any time after those optimal years when you can learn things to just hold it in like a sponge. But probably about five years ago, I started the violin and I got an amazing instructor. She was just the best. I was, of course, her oldest student, <laughs> like uh, 26, 27 at the time. And if I could do math right, but she was great and it was so much fun and I learned how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I did the little thing for my friends, but she ended up moving and to Norway, which is super cool. But then I just never got another instructor, which is super sad, but someday I will pick it up again and actually maybe I'll just ask Autumn for some tips or even, ooh, maybe an instructor. I'll have to ask her that too. Did you practice music then all through school, like high school too? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I played in just orchestra and jazz band. I wanted to do more, but like I said, it's just time, community obligations. Yeah. So I really wanted to do like pit orchestra, but my mom said I couldn't because of church obligations. So mm -hmm. what was the process like of getting into Berkeley School of Music? It was a long, arduous process. I've always wanted to, to go there. I, I graduated a semester early in high school back in December of 2010 from Monona Grove High School. And then I went straight to Madison Area Technical College that winter term. And was it December, January? So, no, January. And yeah, I, I bobbed around. I always wanted to do more with music, but I was always told by people, including my mom and my dad, you know, you probably should pick something more practical like nursing or computers or it's like, yeah, those are important. I'm not saying that they're not important. And for a long time, I did buy into the STEM is king, science and te technology, engineering and mathematics, which I, I really do think that STEM is very important, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's how we're able to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And music is also important. They're both equally important. And I think we, I don't think people should per stop other people from pursuing whatever it is that they want to pursue. Because I, I know people that wanted to do STEM and they were told that they really shouldn't, but they're, they're doing it anyways. They're so. doing it anyways. It's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. Do it anyways. Yeah. You know? Yes, my sweet imposters, this is definitely the whole point of this podcast. And I'm just stoked and thrilled that Autumn brought it up, that it, it's so important to 
foster what somebody really like their potential might be I get that when I was going to school I had a knack for English I was a great writer great communicator I really did love it I love to read I still do and my parents were like eh, you're not really good at math like I mean you cry over your homework and you're just not it's not the best so maybe don't pursue science because back then they were basically synonymous with each other. Maybe not, but that was my understanding of being pushed away from science because I wanted to be a marine biologist. But it was those little bits. I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not good at this. So I probably just shouldn't do it. And I should pursue something that I'm actually good at and not stretch myself. And it's of no fault to my parents. They were just doing probably what they thought was best for me. But looking back, I'm like, gosh, darn it. It's just not true that because you have a knack for something, that's what you should pursue. I might have had to study harder, work harder, longer hours to get through a science schooling, but it would have been fruitious and I would be on a track sooner than I am now. Now I, I work in product, in technology companies. So it's, it's, it's this whole mindset shift that yes, I had to learn harder. I had to work harder at learning SQL, but I definitely got there and now I love it. And I can love both things. I can love writing and reading and I can love math and thinking critically and statistics and data. Please don't put yourself in a box and please don't put other people in a box. That's the main thing. And some people were told they should go to college, but they were wanted to go to a trade. And I say that they do it anyways. Yeah. I wanted to go to college. Some people didn't think I should, but I did it anyways because that's what I wanted to do in my life and not listen to other people and what they thought would be best for me. Yeah. I think, I personally think everybody should at least get a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And then what you do afterwards is really up to you, mm -hmm. whether you go to college or a trade. And unfortunately, some parents don't think that they should help their children get a college education but it's that's just how the world is if you have kids fortunately they're gonna do things that you don't want them to do and that's and it's their life yeah, yeah, yeah. it's their life they, at least did they, they get the the required diploma then okay then you know yeah, yeah. they're doing something they're not thinking around doing illegal things like stealing from people or selling drugs like, but you do web development on the side i read yeah, so is that just a hobby it is more just a hobby. I wanted to go to the coding boot camp, but I I still could. It wouldn't be the it wouldn't be in the world if I took some time off. But <laughs> just, there's just so much going on in the world now, and so much so so many more options. Yeah, there really are. The world has just gotten more and more complex, and I notice that a lot of people they can't just do one thing anymore. Like back in the olden days, <laughs> people would have one career and that would be their career for their entire life. And, but now that's not how it is with people in about approximately our age, like the millennials. Yeah. Yeah. It's like unheard of. Yeah, definitely. My dad's been with the same company for over 20 years, but it's, that's one of the only people I know yeah. Have. <laughs> but but that's his generation too he's 60 oh, okay. or is he 59 oh man he'd be so mad i think he's 59 it makes him feel better he's actually younger than both of my parents oh wow but you Sorry. are you were born in 92 right yep i was born 
Yep. Okay. So I was born in 88. So you're even younger than me. They had kids late. No, I'm their first child together. Oh, okay. They had children from previous. Both. I see. So. That makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But. So they were in their 30s when they had me, but they already had their own life. Okay. <laughs> and their own anecdotes, stories that I was like, I wasn't there for any of this. <laughs> You're like, can we please be relevant? <laughs> so I remember my mom was a single mom in Chicago. And so she has all these cool anecdotes, how she used to <laughs> work for Playboy as a computer systems analyst. She was a computer systems analyst. I love that. <laughs> how long does she pause in between those two things? Because she should for a while. Just she to does. Yeah, it's, good. it's hilarious. My mom is very funny. That's really great. Sometimes. Sometimes. No, I'd say most of the time. I think I get <laughs> my sense of humor from her. So she does pause. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah, for the most part. My parents, they've had some hiccups, but they're going to have their 30th anniversary next month. So. Oh, good for them. Tell them congratulations. 30 years. That's a feat. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm really interested in the group that you, you, uh, volunteer with, I'm actually not sure, but the black string triage ensemble, could you speak more about how you guys impact the community and really what it is? The black string triage ensemble is founded by Mr. David Holman. He is a viola player. He also plays clarinets. I've actually never seen him play a clarinet. I've only seen video of it, but <laughs> But I think one of the biggest things is, I think the reason why I joined this group was last year I was, the pandemic happened and I was just feeling like I just graduated from Berkeley virtually and we really was looking forward to going to Boston. And I just, okay, I'm just going to reach out to people, keep reaching out to people who seem like cool people. And I reached out to a lady who actually just won the Madison Music Awards Teacher of the Year. Her name is Miss Alita Lacoste. She's a strings teacher in the Madison Metropolitan School District. And then she looked cool because she had like a string bass in her profiles. Wow, bass, let me add her. <laughs> <laughs> and so she invited me to like an open rehearsal last summer and that's when I met um, David Holman. The Black String Triage Ensemble can be found at the Black String Triage Ensemble.org. I will put that in the show notes since it's a longer URL. Their mission is incredible. Per their website, the Black String Triage Ensemble is committed to using music as the healing force for the soul in the immediate aftermath of community violence. So they play concerts at the scene of the incident of terrible community violence with their triage of strengths. They respond to suicides, opioid deaths, car accidents, infant deaths, house fires. So there's, uh, you know, so much amazing energy coming from them at the scene of these atrocious crimes to soothe people. If you want to get involved and you're in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, there is a join link on their website. I will link in the show notes and you can go there to learn more. What Mr. Holman wants to do is play music to soothe the people who, I'm sorry, like the, I'm going to say victims, but I know some people don't like the word victim. 
but I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind a bird victim. That's what they are. They didn't have a choice in that matter if they were yeah. shot, especially if they were children. So music is a good way to calm people, with, especially with string instruments, because they're softer, close to the human voice. That's what David said. I'd say so. I'd say that or maybe a French horn. But the problem is with the pandemic, you can't blow air around. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Air particles are now. So yeah, so probably just string, string instruments. We play music that's written by black composers only. And it's just a, it's a peacekeeping mission for the, the Milwaukee communities, especially those impacted by gun violence, which is disproportionately um, black and brown, like mm-hmm. Latin, Hispanic people. I think we did respond once to a shooting where it was actually white and white crime. And it was so funny because mm-hmm. one lady was like, what are we like the Titanic? Are you guys seriously playing music? It was funny. That would make sense to have, to have that reaction. But do you guys just uh, hear about it and then you go in a pop-up fashion or how does that work? We check the Milwaukee dish badge. If oh. Anything that says about shots fired. And we only go if the police have responded. So it's safer. Yeah. It's really incredible. And I'm trying to think if I were in a situation as a bystander or heaven forbid, a victim of that, I would think that it would be almost like an ethereal type calming Mm -hmm. if a string quartet showed up to play music and it, it, I would be like, maybe am I dying? Or is this, but it would also be so calming because it's, that's what it's intent on with string instruments and they're so beautiful, but it's just such an interesting idea. And this, the leader of it, was it his idea? I believe so. David Holman. I'm pretty certain it was his idea. He's doing a lot for this um, ensemble. He's put a lot of time and effort, even a lot of his own money. Just Wow trying to get people together and try to recruit members. So the thing about this orchestra is it's for people who are black or brown could, could be members of this orchestra because again, the people who are disproportionately affected by mm-hmm. the gun violence are black and brown. So it's like, oh, we see people that look like us and they care and they're playing music. That's something that we've heard of, relevant to our experience and not like Mozart. But I know that he's starting, he has started a new orchestra that's going to be more full, like at least winds and brass, hopefully percussion. He's really in the recruitment stage called the Black Diaspora Orchestra, and that's open to anyone. And he's starting it? It's not started yet? We've had a couple of rehearsals. I have not been the greatest friend. I've been ill for the past couple of, so I haven't been as on my on the ball and um, I was also a long-term substitute teacher in a new in the New Berlin school district so that was took up a lot of my time do they do concerts typically no the black string triage ensemble technically we do not have concerts we have an open rehearsal annual open rehearsal every May but I've only been present for this one for this past May 
but but it's just it's being a little bit more respectful and not crass hey it's all about our ensemble all about our ensemble and get tickets to see us no that's not the the purpose of this ensemble so the date is going to be saturday december 18th 2021 at 7 p.m the date is i'm sorry the location is tba but the admission is uh free oh that's awesome is it donation probably I mean, I guess. I hope so. It hurt. Yeah, might as well. So yes, we're gonna be playing Edward Krieg, George Walker, Franz Schubert, Maurice Ravel, William Grant Still, and Macedonia Alcala. So yeah, he's been really trying to recruit more people for this ensemble. And that's inclusive of people of all races. Yeah. Okay. Recap, just in case you want to get involved, the website again, I will link in the show notes, but it is the blackstringtriageensemble.org. The Black String Triage Ensemble is open to people of color. If you are a strings musician and you want to get involved, you can join there. I'm asking Autumn at a moment if they are still accepting new members of that ensemble, so please hold on that one. But the Black Diaspora Symphony Orchestra is the newer one that we were just talking about. They're holding the date for the open audition, and that is open to everybody. For the Black String Triage Ensemble, for those um, listeners who are Black and Brown, are you still accepting? Is the organization still accepting? Or is it like a wait list to join? It's not really a wait list. We, we could take whomever. It's just as long as you're able to commit to being in the Milwaukee area every Friday and Saturday Okay. throughout the summer. Oh, throughout the summer. That yeah. is when the most tragedies occur, huh? Yeah, and it's also just Wisconsin weather. It might be a snowstorm on Friday night in, in November. That's a really good a point. You don't want to be stringing in the, in the winter. I don't think that's great for it. Fun fact, in Milwaukee right now, early December, it's snowing and it's gorgeous. For our instruments yeah probably so there's not. like carolers but but then again covid i don't know probably not won't be that's a good idea there's <laughs> you could bring out a tent and space heaters but that's also a lot of work yeah and some and, and money too and money extra funds why are you unqualified for what you're doing or when you were young and people were saying just don't go into music. Let's speak more about the, those issues that came up when you were trying to pursue your dreams. I don't feel qualified. And the reason why I don't feel qualified is because there's a lot of things that I've wanted to do with my music that I just had other people saying, hey, well, you need to do this right now. I'm like, oh, okay. And I just went along with it. And then I see all these other people who are like getting reaching toward the stars with their music. And it's mainly because they had access. Like, I, I mean, I'm friends, Facebook friends with this person that I went to high school with, who's, I don't want to sound like I'm putting her down because she's very talented. I, I, if you did some snooping, you can easily figure out who I'm talking about. But <laughs> it's just, she is doing performances on Broadway and touring and stuff. But a lot of it is her parents were... Her mother was, her parents were both, oh, this, her parents were both, without directly outing her and shaming her, this family, because again, I don't know them super well, but this is me just as an outsider looking in. 
her family, they were a little bit more prominent with the, the school functions and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like her, her mother was a teacher. Her father also worked for the school district and did other mm-hmm. music related stuff around the state. So she came, I guess, in my eyes, from like a musical dynasty. And so she's like shooting off. And if I had that kind of family, I probably would have shot off too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, my grandfather, he did play blues guitar. His name was TJ Charles, but um, sadly he passed away in 2013, but he would have been 99 this year. Wow. And it's a great name, TJ Charles. Yeah, yeah. So Thomas. He sounds famous. I think he played with B.B. King once. Wow. Many, many years ago, many moons ago, but he was a really cool guy. I really miss him. He was a little short guy, played guitar, always smiling, always happy to see me. Very really nice, very sweet guy. He was originally from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know. What I know about him is that he, he also did trucking as well, and he liked gigging. He had a double neck guitar. Yeah, my grandfather, TJ Charles, he was... Uh, what I didn't know about him is that his father was of Asian descent. And his mother was uh, <laughs> originally, you know, supposedly born in Brazil. So, completely honestly, if you were to show me this photo, not give me any of the context or background like Autumn just shared with us about her grandfather, and just showed me this photo of this amazing man, TJ Charles, I would just guess that he was a famous musician he just exudes confidence he exudes charisma he looks like an amazing guy he has a bow tie on he does have his double neck guitar which is a gorgeous instrument he's dressed super fly he has on this like great looking pea coat and slacks you know hair he has great mustache he looks awesome and I am actually, I think I did ask permission from Autumn to post this and I'm going to if I didn't because you guys have got to see this guy. He's rad. That's amazing. Handsome man. Look at that smile. Yeah, he was always smiling. He was a very nice man, very kind, sweet, always pleasant. He always told me I needed to practice my scales and that's always true. But he lived in Arkansas for a long time. And then he came to live with my, my, my aunts and uncles. And then that's when he passed away in Middleton, Wisconsin. So, Do you think he's a reason that you love music so much? Probably. I, I didn't grow up around him too much because he lived so far. But every mm-hmm. time he was around, he had his guitar. And he was always just a very pleasant person, just I like, he was just had a cool energy and he was always, he was just never negative about anything. Just never said anything negative about no, not anyone. Just, just a nice man. I'd say mm-hmm. a saint, but I don't know. That's a, I mean, it might be a blasphemous term, but you know. <laughs> I'm honestly sad that I've never able to, will never be able to meet him. He sounds so cool. And he looks like somebody that would immediately take you in and give you a cup of coffee or a scotch. Give me coffee. (laughs) 
I don't know. Did he really like drinking? I don't think he did. I didn't even, he didn't really like eating sweets. My mom said he never liked eating sweets when he was oh, that's... younger, when she was younger. wonder what that feels like. He was a very sweet person, so maybe he didn't need to eat sweets. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a really cool guy. I really miss grandpa. I, I think he'd be proud. Black and brown person. Definitely. I think so. It's very sweet. Are any of your other grandparents alive? My only grandmother that's who's alive is my grandmother, Virginia. I know it's Virginia. Everybody calls her just Jen. Except for me, I call her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> She's also very sweet, but she told me when she was a little girl that she, some teachers at her school said she was, would have been really good with music, but she just didn't have the resources. Yeah. to really pursue it and then I felt really bad because she's you know a really pretty pretty good singer but just access that's the just a sad thing it is a sad thing it's a and she's also a very sweet person don't get me wrong I really like her too I talk, <laughs> try to talk to her at least once every week oh that's good yeah, she's 90 92 so wow grandma that's amazing does she, she does. live in Wisconsin yes yeah, she does oh those winters I hope she has yeah. good heat. Yeah, she's always keeping her bedroom w warm. Good. Yeah, my my family's from Minnesota. So my grandma passed away two years ago in January, but on the coldest day of the year so far, which, and she hated the cold, so it was kind of ironic, but she lived in the northern most part of the state, and it was like negative 30 degrees often. Oh, wow. It's I just, grandma, you got to move but she didn't have the resources to move and the whole family was up there. So I, I don't know where she would have gone, but they all still so live up there. You're originally from Minnesota. Yep. Okay. My, my uncle lives there. You know what part? Yeah. Near the twin cities. Okay. That's where I lived. Northfield was the town. Okay. I think, is it Bloom, Bloomington? The name of that oh yeah. That's where the mall of America is. Yep. Yeah, by the Mall of America, because that's the mall that my cousins actually went to that for recreation. Like, that's, I yeah, I went there for fun. There. Yeah, one of them actually worked there. So it was just like, wow, the Mall of America. Yeah, I, I work here. So it's just not fun. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, it lost the glamour for me, too. I spent a lot of summers there, but in winters, obviously, because it was too cold to go to Valley Fair was the outdoor one. But unfortunately, and this is wrapping back to the Black String Triage Ensemble playing after shootings. Sadly, my uncle's grandson was shot and killed, murdered in Milwaukee last month. Oh, no. 30 years old. Um, I didn't know him super well, but it just was something so frivolous. I'm sorry. So frivolous. <laughs> Got a little tongue tied there. So it's just like, man, this not only does this affect people who look like me, like it also affects people who are in my own family. And it's just like sad. And I also know a few years back, my niece had a friend in high school that was died in gun violence as well. So it's just, man, it, I, I just wish people were more responsible with their weapons. Also getting more access to, to mental health care. Exactly. Some people don't want to believe that's how you can lessen the issues with gun control. But I think it, it, it does, first of all, it should start with enforcing the, the laws that we are already have, making it harder for people to get guns. 
I, I also, I, I have, I struggle with mental illness as well. I have really bad depression and anxiety and some obsessive compulsive issues as well. And then sadly, I, 2016, I tried to take my own life. I think that was the last time I tried to take my life. And I tried to overdose on my trazodone sleeping pills. The topic of suicide is very heavy. I get that. But it is really important to talk about people that seem so happy and carefree from the outside could be really struggling inside. There is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Easy to find, too, if you just search on the internet. But if you are struggling, please just know that you're not alone. We we want to help people want to help you i too suffer from anxiety and uh, depression when i was younger and it's a long hard road but as long as you keep one foot in front of the other you lean on your support system i promise you're not a burden you can and you will get through it so you're five years into recovery. Is that how you would say that? Yes, yes. I tried to work with the person at NAMI, Waukesha. Her name is Lexi Sandoval. So she's trying to do quite a bit for our community. Of course, I still see my therapist, see my psychiatrist as well, which I'm not really my, she's just really my prescriber Mm -hmm. to help me with my medication. Have you always suffered from anxiety and depression your whole life? I think so. How did you overcome that pursuing your passions? Because that is one thing that holds people back. For one, I think I realized that there's a lot of people in the world that have problems and still are artistic. Like I brought this book called Troubled Artists by uh, Christopher Zara. I was like, I could be in this book. Reading about the biographies of a lot of people that still do it, but they have a lot of dysfunction going on in their own personal lives. Because believe me, I have a lot of this function going on in my personal life, like even right now, as we speak. But <laughs> just keep moving forward, just telling people this is what it is, what I want to do. And if I and just being honest with people saying, hey, I don't feel good. And this is why. And some people are able to help me. Some people will criticize me. Why are you saying this? And and I just don't listen to those people anymore. Some people don't like it if I post it on social media, like usually like Facebook. But one thing I do is that I put things, I really, I utilize the the friends list groups, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and joining other Facebook groups for people with mental health struggles and just figuring out, well, excuse me, what everybody else is what's worked for them and what hasn't and as many new people that understand where I'm coming from. I say we have a long way to go in society for understanding people with mental illnesses. It has a stigma, as you mentioned, but we have made some progress at least, but there's still so long to go to pave ways for people with all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of mental struggles. It's just, uh, it needs to be more. So what advice would you give others then searching for their voice and wanting to pursue music, but they just don't have the means? Find the means. 
<laughs> find the means. How would you find the means? And I'm just like, uh, I actually, I, never, I think I never really circled back about how I ended up at Berkeley. Oh yeah, let's go there. I, I did graduate from high school in December 2010, and then I graduated from Madison College with just an associate's degree in 2012. And then I, I did go to UW-Madison. I dropped out. That's when a lot more of my mental health issues started. Eventually, I did apply to go to Berkeley College online in 2017, and I was admitted in 2018. So it was like a big gap since I'd really been in college. I'd taken some classes online a la carte but mm -hmm. for credit but i was like i'm gonna just apply and complete this degree and i did there was some serious issues even with like my own housing situation that happened in like 2019 and it just it's like a low blow it's like i'm really trying so hard to do everything right and things are just not working out but it's okay i'm having these issues but i'm not going to drop out i i need to complete i have to complete no, no matter what it takes, even if I have to take out a student loan, because at until that point I was paying you know cash out of pocket. Yeah, and making sure I get my prior learning portfolio done, and then I ended up graduating in twenty ten summa cum laude twenty twenty. I'm sorry, <laughs> ten years later after I got to twenty twenty summa cum laude. That's amazing. I even got to talk to John Legend a little bit. Whoa. Asynchronously. So he knows that I exist. <laughs> Maybe he'll listen to this. I doubt it. He's, he's got way more important things to do. He took time out of his busy schedule to answer questions from Berkeley graduates. So maybe he will. Maybe I should be a little bit more easy on myself. Less hard. Were you also working full time then to be able to pay out of pocket? Yeah, I worked at... I worked at Panera Bread. I was doing that part-time. So I worked for like DoorDash. I did try to get some more like tutoring at a school at Waukesha West and Horning Middle School, and which is Slenderman Middle School. So anyways, I write, wrote music for a sound library based in Wisconsin called The License Lab. And I, I, I worked, did some work for my parents. Yeah, I was that kid. I worked for my mom and dad. Yeah, I'm unqualified. Dad. That's something that I I don't I personally don't believe in that, but but I just feel I'd rather do the things that I want to do. And I think my parents they need a better they needed a better employee, not me. <laughs> People who know their stuff, and that's just I just don't doesn't mean that I couldn't learn. I just had other things that I wanted to do. So I like like most people. You're and you're still a kid. Mm -hmm. in that time. So working for your parents isn't cool. <laughs> yeah. So just doing stuff and that's still what I do. I still really try to hustle as much as I can. And I think the reason why I hustle as much as I can is I, unfortunately, a lot of times if I had a problem, a lot of people just <laughs> help. No, you can just figure it out on your own. Like, why can't, why do you, people, you, people, you have to do things on your own. You can't get everything your way. And and that always gave me a complex block, which honestly fed into my anxiety and depression, which I, for the most part, will probably not tell anybody that unless I know for a fact that they can do it by themselves. But mm -hmm. there are sometimes some people just, they don't. And I, I just didn't know. And I still don't know a lot of things on that feeds to my anxiety. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
That's why I have so much anxiety. That's why I'm asking you for help. <laughs> yeah. So, some people, a lot of people didn't, they didn't like that. Um, I don't know why. I don't know. I think that whole, I'm a strong, independent woman. So that could be a little bit toxic, you know? <laughs> Like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. It should be encouraged to ask for help because that even stretches into sometimes you really need help mentally. And if you're not used to asking for it, you're not going to ask it for it in your darkest hour. Exactly. And unfortunately, I thought the best way that I could solve my problems was trying to overdose, completely unalive myself. But I, I needed help. Yeah. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you're still here. Thank you. For what it's worth. Uh, you bring a lot of amazing gifts to the world. And I'm also really glad that it worked out for you to pursue Berkeley. That's amazing. Yeah, especially graduating before the pandemic. But actually, the pandemic was a complete cakewalk for me. <laughs> That's something you don't hear every day. That's, it was. And wow. Like, the only thing that happened that was really bad was my, one of my Berkeley alum mentors, private teachers, his name was, as you can tell, I said was, his name was Gordon Francis Blaney Jr. He tragically passed away in a car accident just before the lockdowns happened in Wisconsin. Oh. He lived in, you know, Massachusetts, but it was just really tragic and completely unexpected because yeah. he, he was also a man who like me had struggles with mental health and trying to navigate the world the best way that you could with what you got. And I, I, he deserved more. And he was a professor at Berkeley? No, he was a Berkeley graduate, but I met him in a composer group and, mm. and on Facebook, an orchestration online. And so he was a little bit more prominent in that community and several different groups as well. So we had some other private students as well. But yeah, he deserved more. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's really rough. He was only about 37 when he passed, so he was very young. No. Very young. I was like, yeah, you should really go back and get your master's and a doctorate in this. Like, because then he could definitely be like a professor. It was like professor quality. I mean, you knew my professors. So yeah. well, I'm sad the world's without him. Gonna be missed. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he left a huge mark on everybody that he met. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely on you, I can tell. I mean, if I could do like my Berkeley thing, what, what inspires me, like on my graduation for music, I put down Alan Mankin and in hindsight, I wish I could go back in time and I would have said Grandpa TJ and Gordon. Those two, I, I do love Alan Mankin, but honestly, those two, those yeah. two are probably the reason why I keep going. I think about their legacy. Yeah. Do you actually mind if I share that photo of him? on the website when I put this up? I don't, I don't think he'd mind. Okay. Cause I love this photo. I obviously don't know him personally, but part of me wants to like get it framed. <laughs> <laughs> get, get a frame of somebody else. Put it in my house. I'm a white girl. Who is that? <laughs> it's not your grandpa. <laughs> nope. My grandfather was technically a mixed race person. Oh yeah. China. Yeah. Chinese. And he had some Chinese, uh, his brother was actually born in Brazil. So they were like Afro-Brazilians and, and Latin, Spanish, Portuguese. Wow. That's a, My mom did her DNA test beautiful in text. 2019 and she discovered that she was mostly Hispanic and Asian. 
which I guess would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> with the grandpa. <laughs> We've just been saying that we're black all these years, and that's not a lie. It just, I, I don't know. It, everybody's mixed. That's, we're all related. Versus, yeah. I bet you and I are related somehow. Somehow, like, yeah. I know my dad and my mom both have Irish in their family, so. You got Irish in your family? I have German and Swedish. I think my mom had some sort of like Germanic in her family, so. It's a really big country. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I always thought it was like Dutch because of one of the names that I found. It's like Flemister. Like, that sounds Dutch. But anyways, yeah, we're probably all related. I, 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 I Oh, Lance Bass and Britney Spears just discovered that they were related. Oh, good thing they didn't date and she dated Justin instead. Yes, I am very aware that Lance Bass does not root for that team. And he has a lovely partner. He is gay. I know. But it didn't think of it in the moment. But also pretty crazy that they're related. Or maybe not that crazy. Yeah, we're, we're all related. They were distant cousins, so it wouldn't be too bad. It would be different to think about. But Queen Elizabeth and Prince... Philip or like third cousins or something like that. Yeah. Oh God, is it bad of me to say that's like just their culture though? But that's like not. I, I but it was. was. Yeah. <laughs> in Europe, was keeping it, it in the family, and he was just—he had so many disabilities, like physical ailments, because his parents were all and family were just all so closely related. And it's just, I'm not saying you should go out and marry your brother, but I just think that's just how it was a long time ago. A long time ago. People on the planet. And yeah, especially I feel like royalty lineage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially that. Yes. Because they wanted to keep that. They wanted all the inheritance to stay within the family. They didn't want to give it to those peasants. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Autumn, what makes you qualified for playing music and sharing it with the world? Because... We live in a time period where it's so ridiculously easy to do. And in order to let people know what it is that you do, you just got to keep telling them. And if they don't want to listen, then that's going to be their loss. And I've seen that firsthand experience. I had a person who told me I wasn't qualified to be a music teacher. And next time I saw this person, I was literally teaching music, (laughs) like literally. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, it wasn't a good thing. I probably shouldn't say this because I was uh, kind of, I had some flyers and I just got mad and I just tossed them. Probably wasn't the right thing to do. I I obviously admit that, but guy was just being a jerk. I'm sorry. Just being a complete gatekeeper. And yeah. So you showed him literally. Yes, literally. So I tell everybody. (laughs) What was the look on his face? I waved, he never waved back. Oh God, he is a jerk. I'll say it too. All of you people, blocking the intersection. You're all idiots. Yeah, so. Especially to not acknowledge that you were wrong. And you're still thinking of it, so he had an impact on you. He doesn't know that, he doesn't need to know that, but. There was another UW professor that told me that I didn't have what it takes to do music. And obviously i I left uw and i went to berkeley a school that's known for doing music yeah so you can't listen to people they don't know what they're talking about trust no one mr Mulder. 
Just because they're considered to be experts doesn't mean. And that's a little slippery slope because of with the pandemic and everything. People are like, I don't want to do my own research. No, like, you could do your own research, but please think critically. What are all these other, if they're all saying like, hey, this is probably a problem, you probably need to get vaccinated. You can't probably do that, but when it comes to like you and your own business and stuff, you need to like listen to yourself sometimes. At least listen to your inner voice a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And just I mean, cuz like I know block that I the always, shit out. Yeah, I've always had I've always known that I've had what it takes. It's just I don't always have access. And those people, they didn't want to give me access. They didn't want to give me space for whatever perceived reason. So I want to give people as much space as they need, especially like the younger kids, like students that I teach at the summer camp, students that I teach, what's the word? And my substitute teachers, mm-hmm. I always tell them, you can always ask questions, but some will ask, why do we have these? Like that, that gets annoying. Don't ask me that question. But <laughs> <laughs> and Because it's a school board. I just tell the school board things that you need to take this class in order to pass and get high, your high school diploma. That's why. Yeah. And you're not above the school board. So <laughs> no. here you are. <laughs> like, that's why. So if any of them are listening, yeah, I was, yeah, I was a long-term art sub. Yeah. I know I wasn't qualified to be it, but I know I was because I have the license. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, well, I, I, I have my high school diploma. Do you? No, you do not. So. <laughs> and you're not going to, unless you pass the stamp class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just, just, just try. I just, you don't have to be the next Michelangelo or Picasso with your ceramics and your art, you don't have to, but at mm-hmm. least try. If you have questions about why you didn't get something, just come ask me. If not, I can ask some of the other administrative staff. Like that's what I do. Like I have, I had them all like on speed chats, leave the computer microphone, I'm sorry, the computer speakers up so I can hear it ring when I'm pacing around the classroom. Oh, also for my students, it did pay me to take your phones. It really did, it really did. I really didn't want to do it. I really didn't. But you had to do it. I just, the distraction, I just want to make sure you get your work done and then you can do whatever, just as long as it's school appropriate and you're not going to get into any trouble. But there are plenty of times you should question authority, but I would not have you do something illegal or immoral. Just try your best in doing this art project. That's it. That's it. That's all that I ask. If you have any questions, you're more than welcome to come to me. That's what I'm here for. That's why I became a teacher. I always wanted to be an approachable adult, a safe person. Safe, realistic. You also tell it like it is. That's good. Yeah, I want to tell. I don't want to. I don't like lying to kids. Yeah. Sometimes I, 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 I would be a little bit hesitant telling the, the kids what's going on, really, because I didn't know if it was like my business to spread it. But I would try to figure out a way to tell them the truth without saying bad things about other people. You know what I mean? Because kids, they're very young and they're impressionable and you just can't just start saying anything and everything about them. You just can't. Yeah. Okay. I took up an hour and 10 minutes of your time. I really appreciate it, Autumn. Thank you so much. You're you're welcome. I appreciate you taking time in your schedule and also no worries about taking up an hour and 10 minutes of my time. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Have a great week. You too. That conversation was raw and real and so powerful. 
I really hope that you were able to take something away from this message. The pain that Autumn felt while breaking through barriers within her own mental and personal struggles and barriers that society put in front of her that held her back was immense. But there was also a lot of growth and hope and success. Sometimes the world can be a scary and dark place. We all have encountered this. But as Autumn said, listen to yourself first. Believe in yourself more than anyone else does. You have what it takes to be successful, even if others don't see it, even if others literally try to stop you. And if you want to pursue music professionally, then do it. Don't let others dictate your success and don't let others dictate how and when you pursue your passions. I will link all of the places where you can find Autumn, including the Milwaukee music groups that we chatted about. So where can you find me? I can be found on Instagram at YN as a Nancy Q pod. That's at YN Q pod. I can be found on TikTok and it's pretty bare bones on there right now. So don't judge me. I truly have no idea what the hell I'm doing on there. I have only one video and I need to figure out like a voice for it and everything, but uh, it's getting there. I won't give up on it. I'm going to take my own message to heart and shit and I will just do it, but follow me. It'll make me feel better actually. Just, yeah, just do it for me. And then I also have uh, email if you would prefer to email me. Y-N-Q-Pod, so just like the handles, Y-N as a Nancy Q-Pod at gmail.com. And I have a website and my Instagram, as well as the Gmail is listed there. So if you would rather visit that, it's also a pretty good website. And that's yournotqualifiedpodcast.com. And now for trivia. So Milwaukee is called the Cream City. When I first heard that a couple days ago, I was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, it's Wisconsin. It's the dairy capital of the world, probably. But it's not called the Cream City because of cows. It's called the Cream City because of the yellow cream-colored bricks, first made here in the 19th century. The buildings here have an old charm that is so breathtaking. Honestly, it's a beautiful city. The downtown is gorgeous. Red brick and cream brick. And there's old restored warehouses and the condos and apartments and really good restaurants and very cute shops. The river is beautiful. The lake is beautiful. It's truly gorgeous. Really, this is just a little PSA. Don't sleep on the flyover states, friends. Just imagine like those little clapping emojis in between each of those words. Don't sleep on the flyover states. There are gems to behold in the Midwest. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.